Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. On this episode of the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast, we broaden our minds to discuss Party Man from the Batman album. Joining me for this discussion is Richard Cole. Welcome back to the show, Richard. Uh, welcome to Am Jason. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, yeah. It hasn't hasn't been that long since we last talked about Escape, the B-side uh, from Glam Slam off of the Love Sexy album. So we're just you know moving right along. Now we're into 1989's Batman album. And Party Man's a song for the day. It was uh, the second single from the album. It was a pretty decent, or you know, moderate hit. Top 20 in the pop charts, top 5 in the R&B charts. Uh, crossed over in other countries as well. Um, Batman was a project that you wanted to participate in, Richard. And I assume there's a reason behind that. So <laughs> would you mind sharing with the listeners kind of like your Batman story and what were your thoughts about the project and overall? Yeah, I mean, I'm a, as John Schnepp used to say, rest in peace, that, you know, we're comic book sweaties. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, I'm a comic book reader since probably the age of four. And, yeah, Batman was kind of one of the early, early ones. Um, but, you know, growing up and getting interested in reading comics, you know, trying to draw comics and make up superheroes, uh, I had some friends um that were you know equally interested in that and one in particular is a friend named john rochester um he's also he'd also passed away a few years ago um but i remember like around 86 87 we would have these conversations about you know the the batman you know like if they did a batman movie what would it look like you know and it was like a like four or five of us and you know we would throw out names like Harrison Ford is Batman, you know, Michael J. Fox is Robin. And, and I remember John kind of, you know, predicted kind of the outcome of the Batman movie. He's like, look, Batman should be in all black body armor. Um, Jack Nicholson should be the Joker and <laughs> Prince should do the soundtrack. <laughs> oh, my God. That's and, crazy. You know, yeah. Three years later, you know, that's what happened, you know. <laughs> Except no Harrison, wow. Ford, no Harrison Ford is Batman, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we talked about this before. Michael Keaton kind of came out of left field, I think, for a lot of people as far as playing Bruce Wayne slash Batman. So I, that would have been a tough one to predict, I think, in the eighties. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we panicked. We were like the Mister Mom guy. Oh man, oh, <laughs> oh this movie's right. going to be like the TV show again. Ah, oh, but. That first Beetlejuice, trailer. Beetlejuice is playing Bruce Wayne. What? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. But that first trailer, yeah he he sold us. He sold it to us. <laughs> yeah, no, he he was. Yeah, ultimately ended up uh, being a very memorable Batman. Of course, Nicholson, iconic as the Joker, and Prince doing the soundtracks like. That was I can't believe that was predicted too because up until that point Prince had not you know, done any kind of soundtrack work for anything that wasn't his project. I mean, yeah, there was a song on the Bright Lights Big City soundtrack. So he'd had stuff that was selected or that he, you know, gave to 
somebody curating a soundtrack for a film that he had nothing to do with. But there was no precedence for this either in Prince's career to do like yeah. an entire album's worth of songs uh, inspired by a movie that he had zero creative input into. So, yeah, this was that was a pretty bold prediction, I would say. And, oh, was, yeah. you know, it was right. <laughs> he was right on the money. Yeah, but we didn't know anything, you know, like as far as we knew Prince was always self-contained. But I think back, you know, we never thought of like he was above doing soundtracks for other things. Sure. You know, sure. We just thought yeah. he was that prolific that, yeah, he could take, you know, six months and do a soundtrack for somebody else's film. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a creative exercise. Like I, I'm given the script. I'm showing a few dailies because, you know, a lot of these songs were written before the movie was even completely wrapped and, uh, you know, or, or tailor some older songs that could fit the narrative of the film, uh, like electric chair or something like that and say like, all right, well, I can do this. I, I'm given these parameters. You know, this is my, this is my assignment. Do I understand the assignment or do I not? And Prince understood the assignment, I think, oh, yeah. very well and, and able to execute something that fit the vision of the, you know, for the greater film, Tim Burton's vision, but also still clearly stay true to himself. I mean, this was a Prince album and he wouldn't have, I just don't see him completely changing his his way of creating and his sound to make it sound like something for a movie, but not, but, you know, miss, miss the elements that made the, the music funky or made the music fun or made the music just stand out. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and this song party man that we're going to be doing here and talking about, um, as the second single, you know, it's, it's kind of like bat dance was the first single and was a big hit. Neither of these songs, they're more like, soundscapes or uh they have a bit more they have less in terms of like lyrical content and more just like a vibe or a feeling that you're supposed to get from them and party man is a song that has used pretty in, in, pretty extensively in a memorable scene in the film which a lot of these songs from the batman soundtrack you can't say uh but this is certainly a very memorable scene it's like all the joker it's like most of the Joker songs get the highlights in, in yeah. the or in the movie because they they soundtrack some outlandish scene involving the Joker and and this one in particular it's, it soundtracks the scene where he bum rushes the museum and starts you know uh, defacing art and and then I think he's trying to like kidnap Vicky Vale at this in this scene as well. Um, so yeah, there's this whole musical segment of the song or this, um, movie that includes this song. So when you first saw Batman, Richard, do you, I, I the timing's a little sketchy for me. Did you see the movie first or did you listen to the album first? Do you even recall? Uh, That's a tough question. I know we're, we're asking you something to recall something over 30 years ago, but <laughs> yeah, cause I, yeah, I was living in California at the time, but I would come home to St. Louis um, and typically yeah, right around the summer. And I think I see, I'm trying to remember. I don't remember, like, getting off the plane to go see the movie, but it was a thing where 
again, you know, a couple of friends of mine, um, they were planning on going to see it. And I think, you know, they asked me to come along. Um, and one, you might have heard him on the, you know, on my show as a guest. Um, I guess he had picked up the cassette. And then he got me one, too, since he was at the record store. And it was just like, hey, okay, here, I'll pay you back for it. Um, but I think we were listening to the soundtrack on the way. And I think they might have seen the film already. Hmm. I think if I'm, as it's starting to come back to me, I think they saw the film already. So they're like, oh, yeah, you know, so, yeah, you're going to look for this song in this scene and this is what's going to happen. And, you know, that type of thing. So. Right. So I kind of had a gist of. What, you know, what was going to take place with the movie. So by the time I saw it. And saw where certain songs were placed in context, you know, with certain scenes. Then it was like, oh, okay, great. But yeah, I had lived with, you know, lived with the cassette, you know, seen the movie. Oh God, probably, probably that summer, maybe one, two, three, four, maybe four or five times mm -hmm. in the theater. Um, later bought the CD, had the cassette single for uh, Bad Dance. Um, and then later when Party Man was released as a single, uh, now I was, now back in California at that time and bought uh, the 12 inch single at uh, tower records. Okay. And yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah it's, those 12 inch singles were the bomb. I mean, Batman was no different. Yeah. It's, it's weird, you know, just remembering, you know, the Batman movie, the phenomena of surrounding it, the mania surrounding it, the singles and, you know, even party man, this actually buying the 12 inch single, I also bought, a, I think it was a Spin magazine also, but there was an ad for... Rest in peace, Spin magazine. The, yeah. <laughs> I don't think around anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, they are out of print now. Yeah. But there was an ad for a Prince fan uh, magazine. And I'm like, okay, well, that's interesting. I don't think anyone's ever done that. So I sent away for it. But what I got back wasn't the magazine. It was... um these sort of photocopied uh, sheets of, you know, Prince articles from other magazines and newspapers and a list of bootlegs. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> where, where, that's what the real purpose of it was. <laughs> you know, you know, 1999 tour, this date, you know, cassette 10 bucks, you know, something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, so... I have a very complicated history with uh, with Party Man, the single. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm fairly certain I saw the film first. So my first exposure to this song would have been in that that Joker scene where he gleefully trashes the museum. Um, and the single, I'm looking at uh, the timing of that, was released like in late summer of 89. So yeah, I was pretty early on the Batman train in terms of like watching it in theaters. So I would have seen it shortly after it came out. So pretty sure I didn't hear the full song of Party Man until it was released as a single, which was after I saw the film because I didn't have the soundtrack right away. So that that's kind of my order. At least at least that's what I think it was. Thirty, you know, three years later. Mm -hmm. um, 
but it's hard to remember those you know timing is is time's a trick you know <laughs> it's hard our brains trick us into thinking things it happened in a certain way in a certain order and we're not always accurate but it's best we well, can do yeah now i you know i never thought party man was a was a bad song or a terrible song and you know i liked you know how it's placed in the movie uh but you know when i had the cassette and even with the cd it was just a, it was a song to where i kind of just skipped not skipped it but it was the song before vicky waiting which is kind of one of my main favorites on the album uh but the video yeah let's talk about the was, video yeah um seeing the video for the first time um and it had like sort of the extended version of that which mm -hmm. i guess motivated me to like okay i'm gonna go get the 12 inch if that version is on it which it was mm -hmm. and um i you know i got i started enjoying the song more based on the video and the 12 inch single and that remember that um, little mini documentary that Albert McNally did. It was kind of, I guess you call it the sizzle reel now, where they were trying to do a, a, a long documentary for Prince, but they only had these 15 minutes. And hmm. the scene where he's recording a bass overdub for Party Man. No, I don't think I've seen this, Richard. Oh. This, sounds, this sounds fascinating. <laughs> you, I'm sure it's got to be on YouTube now. You can find it. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's actually a lot of that footage ended up in a BBC documentary on Prince for it. But it was a lot of stuff from the Love Sexy tour, um, and they would interview like Eric Clapton. They interviewed um, George Clinton, and this is just the sizzle reel, not the BBC one. Um, Terrence Trent D'Arby, Miles Davis, Quincy Jones, you know, so, sort of these sound bites of them talking about how great Prince is, and it's you know mixed in with the love sexy tour um it's footage of him recording uh god is alive with mavis staples and like i said the, there's a scene where he's recording the bass overdub for a uh, party man okay i think i know what you're talking yeah. about now i've <laughs> seen bits once you mentioned it had included a little bit of him with mavis doing god is alive then that sparked my recollection of that because yeah that that's another song that was recorded around this time um you know had potential intentions for prince but then he gave it to mavis and so uh 88 89 yeah that's this whole era and this song just talking quickly about party man uh, well i want let, let me finish the thought on the video so the video okay. for those who haven't watched it or haven't taken the time to watch it because you know music videos are kind of an antiquated thing nowadays or you know it's hard you have to seek them out let's put it that way like if you you don't just yeah. accidentally turn on the tv and come across a prince video anymore like you used to in the back in the day now you got to look for it all these videos have been you know put out there on the, the official prince youtube channel so you can check it out but yeah, yeah in this in this music video which was directed by albert magnoli the same director of purple rain um prince plays you know the character of Gemini's literally like Two Face, uh, half yeah. <laughs> half Joker and half Prince, um, and throughout the, and the, they're kind of recreating in some ways that scene from the museum, but it's more of a party scene 
where in that movie or in that scene, it, it, there isn't all of the the guests there as there is in the music video. But yeah, anyway, so it's a it's a fun video. Check it out. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. But, um, it, yeah. It's it's fun. Uh, look at it if you can. Oh, and yeah. as far as the recording of the song, the way the story goes online, and of course I don't have a way to corroborate this. Um, so I don't, you could tell me if you've heard the same thing or if you read the same thing or what the likelihood is, but allegedly Prince met Jack Nicholson after the movie had already been in production and, uh, was kind of inspired by his portrayal of the Joker to create this song party man for, you know, as the, um, as sung, as sung by the Joker, because that scene in the museum uh, and I hopefully I got this right. I believe that they had used the song 1999 as the music that they all kind of danced around to and and had this, um, like I said, uh, this trashing of the museum scene too. Yeah. Uh, so they could all kind of move to music so they didn't have to pretend like there was music playing because like they somebody like I don't know if it's one of his henchmen pulls up a boombox and starts playing music, plays a tape or whatever. And we hear Party Man, of course, because that's the song that ultimately replaced it. But I mm-hmm. think that they were listening to 1999 when filming the scene. Is that right? what yeah, you read as right. well or understood? Okay. I, I mean, I read stuff online. I never want to like just assume like because everybody knows just because you read it online. Don't make it true. <laughs> um, but I feel like this one and there's been enough people in, that were there to confirm that this is the true a true story yeah i and think so, was it let's see rolling stone i think when they announced i was either announced when he, they announced prince was going to do the soundtrack or it was uh, it might have been an interview with tim burton after the movie but yeah i think it's in one of those articles where they said that they were using 1999 for that scene and then baby I'm a star, which was replaced by trust. Right. Yes. In the movie. Yeah. And then that's what know, I read too. Then I think the idea was like, Oh, well, why don't we get Prince to do the soundtrack? Yeah. It's getting original yeah. new songs, you know, I mean these, but by 88, 89, those songs were all five, six years old. So yeah, let's get some new music from the man instead of using licensing his old music. Right. I mean, it was all Warner Brothers, so I mean, probably wouldn't have been quite as expensive to to use his music, but still, you got to get got to get his permission too, right? So, um, so yeah, so that's that's kind of a interesting, cool little tidbit of trivia about this song is that it replaced 1999 in that scene. Uh, so that's what we hear on screen, but that's not what they were dancing to at the time when um when the scene was filmed and as far as like the 12 inch yeah you've got the video mix you know the version basically the version that is in the video which is uh, you know i think maybe like almost three minutes longer it's like twice as long as the version off the album which is fairly short the album version is only like just over three minutes long right and the video version extends that because they're trying to it's almost like a little mini movie in this music video just like kind of bat dance was as well even though i think the party man video has even more plot than the bat dance video does and uh you get uh candy dulfer um in a music video i think yeah, that was her debut isn't it yeah i believe so yeah. and i believe so i thought i read somewhere that 
maybe Michael Bland's debut too in a music oh, yeah. video. Yeah, he's in the yeah. It was like, wait, what's what happened to the Love Sexy band? The sign of the, who are these? You know. Yeah, Eric Lee's gone. <laughs> Sheila E gone. <laughs> so we've got we've got Michael and Candy now, and they would you know go on to be longtime collaborators with Prince throughout the years. Um, he says something along the lines because we're not going to cover the video mix any lyrics from that because no. most of it's just the same. But one line that's fairly memorable to me, at least, is when he says something like, "When I want sacks, I call Candy," you know, and then and then that's her cue to to um, you know do her saxophone solo. I just found that found that funny just because you know make sax sex it's kind of a play on words there but yeah prince being prince um <clears throat> anything else that you wanted to bring up and talk about about the song in general before we jump into the lyrics uh no i think that was i think that was it um yeah like i said it used to be the song i would just kind of vibe off of till you get to the you know vicky waiting yeah and all of that but it was the video again that kind of shifted my focus and like take a deeper listen to that song and then the the little clip of him overdubbing the bass as well like oh i didn't realize that was (laughs) in that i don't know if it's still in the final mix Uh, i tried listening to the video version to listen for it and i didn't quite couldn't quite find it with everything else going on in the mix uh but it just kind of made me realize how much funkier of a track that Party Man is as before, you know, when I first got the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this song is funky and fun. It's not deep, <laughs> it's right? Not deep at all. It's it's we're not we're, we don't have like an hour and a half's worth of dissection like in Little Red Corvette or Sign of the Times or uh, When Doves Cry. Like it's not that song. Right. Um, it's not housequake either, but you know. <laughs> no, 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 but there's, it works. It works for the movie. It exactly. It, it fits the, it fits the narrative of the film more or less, you know, the Joker comes across in the film as all very dangerous and violent has violent tendencies. He also seems to enjoy the, the chaos that he introduces into people's lives and a little bit of that danger. Like he's, the Joker is visually you look at him and he's smiling because he's got that permanent smile on his face. But obviously behind that smile is, is something to be afraid of. And Party Man kind of paints the Joker as a fun, a fun loving person, somebody just looking for a good time. And in this scene, it's kind of a fun scene until, of course, then it gets scary and violent when vicky vale you know joins and he's trying to kidnap her and he pulls a gun and you know things are starting to to take a dark turn but up until that point you're just kind of jamming along with him and his henchmen uh like i said gleefully trashing the museum because you know stuffy museum and artwork and some of it's pretentious and you're just like yeah yeah man smash that that stuff sucks (laughs) so you know you have the like the juvenile juvenile uh of our personalities are like yeah yeah do it do it joker yeah. do something that i wish i could do but but can't and won't because it's wrong or it's immoral or it's illegal uh the joker fills that need in us and and dubbing him the party man in the song kind of gives him a little more of a a human touch um you know we all kind of know that or have met those people in our lives where they're fun to be around in in small doses right like 
Like they they they're the life of the party, but as Prince said, parties weren't meant to last, or as Des says, parties were never meant to last. And so like that whole persona gets old after a while. Like at some point you have to tone it down. You have to join the real life. Um, but this song is all about just that moment of of gleeful partying and 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 um, enjoying you know the moment of life where you're able to do that. Um, okay, so like a lot of songs on this album, it incorporates um, dialogue from the film. So what we get right off of the bat is spoken intro from Jack is the Joker. He says, gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. And then we join uh, into the, you know, we get the, the music starting at that point. first verse that prince sings and really like one of the only one to maybe two verses you could even call a verse (laughs) in the song (laughs) right so it it goes all hail the new king in town young and old gather round black and white red and green the funkiest man you've ever seen tell him what his name is and then we roll into the chorus so uh, I mean, like with this first verse, you kind of get the impression that the new king is the Joker, a.k.a. the party man. That's mm-hmm. he's talking about here because, again, this is song it from the perspective of the Joker. I think I've already mentioned that, but just wanted to reiterate it. Young and old gather around just, you know, black and white. Another like trying to corral everyone, um, all walks of life, all races, creeds and colors. But then inclusion of the words red and green is a kind of an interesting here thing here because obviously there aren't, you know, red and green people. Um, but I, you know, this is a reference. It's got to be a reference to the Joker's colors, right? Is that what you <laughs> take away from it? Oh yeah, yeah. His uh, his uses color scheme was uh, well, kind of green and purple most of the time. Yeah, sometimes the red is, can be found on the lips, but yeah, otherwise. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like his clothes, yeah, are mostly purple, for sure. Um, but yeah, it just, and I didn't remember this because it had been a little bit since I had seen the video, but then when I watched it again in preparation, I, I noticed that uh, right at the time that Prince says this, black and white, red and green, it flashes to a scene of one of the Joker's henchmen defacing like a uh, a bust in the art museum and he's got spray painting the hair green and drawing exaggerated like red lips on him so <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> it's like all right well that's pretty straightforward then now that when you look at it that way he's just referring to kind of like besides the purple which of course is an aspect of the joker's color scheme as well but red and green are are right there with the, you know at least from the yeah. head head up yeah, and then like you said, the the paint being thrown around too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so the Joker's funky. We get, we get that. <laughs> so Joker 
fancies himself to be a funky man. Um, okay, so uh, sure, you can call yourself funky if you want, if you think that you are. Yeah, it it is. It's um, kind of calls back to later in the film, you know, when he's announcing his appearance at the the Gotham Festival. <laughs> you know, he says, "Look, you know, I'm not a killer. I'm an artist." I love a good time, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. So he's, instead of calling himself the the craziest man you've ever seen or, you know, the the most murderous man you've ever seen, he calls himself funky. All right, that's fine. I mean, it's just kind of like a fill-in word. Uh, he, he look, Looking at himself maybe in, a, in his own lens as opposed to what other people or how other people look at him, they wouldn't necessarily call him funky, but he calls himself funky. Uh, people wouldn't look at him as an artist, but he thinks he's an artist. So, you know, whatever. It's a little delusional, <laughs> but I think that his character is delusional. So it fits again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, for I guess a lot of people that aren't comic book sweaties or, you know, haven't had that real deep dive into, say, you know, the what? 60, 70, well, let's see, more than that, but 70, 80 years of Batman comics that have been around. You know, we've had different movies that are inspired by those. But you have that complicated relationship between the psychology of Batman and the psychology of the Joker. And I guess one of the common themes and, it, you know, it plays out in the lyrics of Party Man, um, plays out in lyrics of other songs on the Batman soundtrack. Um, a lot of movies, you know, since this first one, have taken a deeper dive into that sort of relationship where you have a, you have a Bruce Wayne who, at whatever age, six years old, 12 years old, you know, depending on who's rebooting the story, where all sense of his life has been taken away by the murder of his parents. But instead of, you know, growing up to, you know, run for mayor or be a police commissioner or use his bill, well, he uses his billions to try to make Gotham better. But at the same time, he goes nuts and puts on a bat suit and goes out at night and punishes the hell out of criminals. And mm -hmm. That sort of, you know, that sort of figure, you know, kind of inspires these sort of other, you know, flawed individuals or, you know, cracked up individuals. But instead of doing things to help people, they're doing things to harm people. And that's sort of that yin and yang with Batman and the Joker, where in probably some of the best you know, versions of the Joker. It's like, yeah, he's this kind of silly, this clown, you know, kind of yeah, a, literally a clown. <laughs> yeah, literally a clown, you know, um, yeah. court, I, I kind of want to say court jester type or something. But he's a serial killer. <laughs> yep. that's the, yeah, that's dangerous. The, yeah. And because I guess Batman is such a powerful figure for good, but he also recognizes that, yeah, this is a very cracked up dude to run around dressed up as a bat and do this. So there's this sort of attraction. Maybe it's not a sexual attraction, but that whole mm -hmm. yin and yang of their 
existence, you know, sort of like, um, you know, Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty. You know, that's that dynamic. You know, you're the best protagonists and antagonists. They have that sort of deeper conflict with each other. Mm -hmm. So in relationship to like the Party Man lyrics, it's a thing where, okay, Batman has been existing for quite a while. When the Joker, I guess, fully becomes the Joker, then in his mind, he's the one that's like, okay, I'm the one. I'm the new king in town. You know, my job is to eliminate the Batman so that the world will recognize me as this figure of whatever, you know, inspiring fear or inspiring chaos and anarchy. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a really good segue into the chorus. Because the chorus then goes, party man, party man, rock a party like nobody can. Rules and regulations, no place in his nation. Party man, party man. So right there, we're getting like anarchy within the lyrics. Rules and regulations, no place here. Like, get them out. That's not what we're doing. We're not right. enforcing any kind of law, you know, lawfulness here. Um, anarchy is is the the name of the game, and this is what he revels in. The character of the Joker revels in anarchy, and uh, he tries to, I mean, like the whole seen in the museum he's trying to trash the stuffy art art museum and then you've got the scene with trust later on where he's trying to show how the, the basic human instincts one of them is greed mm -hmm. <laughs> and how easy it is to turn people into um you know greedy monsters basically by tossing cash out at them that they're so oblivious to what his ultimate intention is is to slaughter them exactly. all uh, and so the whole rules of society regulations of society he wants to toss out the window and that's what this chorus and prince clearly saw that i mean either he saw enough of the film to understand that or knew enough of i mean even if he hadn't seen the film if being a fan of batman comics and having watched the tv show back in the 60s you get a sense for what the joker's mo is and, and it's always kind of been of this nature like he's you know, reveling in this kind of chaos and anarchy um so yeah that's the chorus anything about the chorus other than like the comment uh, we already talked about about the rules and regulations no place in his nation i did want to mention i always thought no place in this nation because it's really kind of hard to understand if Prince is saying no place in his nation or no, no place in this nation. Yes. Did, did you have a version that you heard? Uh, I always thought it was this nation. Yeah, so but, did I. Yeah. But I, I'm looking at Genius Lyrics, and it, it could be wrong. I don't know. I don't think. Does the Batman album have lyrics, printed lyrics? Oh, uh, you know what? It might. Let's see. Taking a look now. Yeah, let's get to the bottom of this. <laughs> I, I always heard no place in this nation, and I guess no place in his nation is, you know, it has right. a different different context. 
Let's see. Because uh... it kind of means like he's taken over, and now this is the new the new world order, so to speak. Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. It's in the it's in the lyric sheet. It's this this nation. Okay. All right. So genius is wrong. <laughs> no need... to self. <laughs> See if I can get an annotation on that one. Or feel free, anybody who's uh, listening. Well, you know, you, you know, see the, that uh, it's still wrong when you go back to it later. <laughs> yeah, um, remember, remember, you know, there's there's someone out there that you know thinks Little Red Corvette is pay the rent, collect. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord! <laughs> I mean, at, le- at least this 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 difference seems pretty subtle and minor. <laughs> that one is <laughs> a very significant difference. Okay, well, I'm glad we got it right. So, rules and regulations, no place in this nation. Party man, party man. But, again, the whole fact that he's talking about rules and regulations uh, have no place in this new society that the Joker is trying to um, embark in um, is what the goal of, you know, his his manifesto and, and what he's trying to do and what this song is speaking to. Uh, but he but he likens likens himself to a, basically a party man, rock a party like nobody can. So, you know whether that means rock literally rocking a party, like being the life of the party, or having you know the ability to get the party started, figurative figuratively and literally, or rock a party meaning like I don't know like rock the boat or rock society or um, just change change the ways of thinking. Uh, in in the world of Gotham City. Um, all right. Anyway, so anything else with the chorus, Richard? Uh, no, that's uh, that's about yeah. I think that touches on everything. Um, as far as again, you know, that whole exploration into the character of the Joker. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, if you know those that aren't into comics you know if you do want to explore sort of the joker you know where i think in a lot of minds the caesar romero version of the joker has always been the dominant version so again you kind of get that image of you know here's this funny guy running around robbing banks and (laughs) you know trying to torture batman and robin and you know and depending on who's doing the writing, he's either telling really good jokes or really sick, twisted jokes that are so sick, but you laugh anyway. But that was always the dominant perception. But there are like the very first issue of Batman that introduces the Joker uh, was one that I had I read a reprint of when I was like eight or nine. And there was nothing comical about that Joker at all. I mean, like the first few pages, you know, he's, you know, hacking the radio waves and is like, yeah, I'm going to kill so-and-so, so-and-so at 12 o'clock midnight. And, you know, the police are there and nothing happens, but then the person they're trying to protect, you know, all of a sudden his face twists into this, you know, really twisted smile and then he falls down dead in it Mm, and you know like i said having watched the tv show a lot at that point i was like wow you know this is a different joker but this was 1940 versus 1966 and this 1940 version was like whoa you know it didn't 
it didn't scare me or anything like that. But I just thought like, whoa, this is this is serious. Right. You weren't seeing you weren't seeing that in the 60s television version from that joke. No. no. And not, not even. Yeah. Not even the 1960s comics, which, you know, what we know now in the 50s. You know, the government had, you know, tried to crack down on comics saying they were too violent and they were corrupting children's minds and they've basically forced the industry to come up with these silly scenarios for superheroes you know it wasn't taken seriously at all until you know until marvel came along but if you want to take a deeper dive uh, like i said that very first issue of batman is one to go to um the there's a short run of i say actually there's an issue uh, the Joker's five-way revenge. I forget what issue that comic is, but it's written by Denny O'Neill and um, drawn by Neil Adams. And that kind of brought the Joker back to that sort of, yeah, he's a clown, but no, this is a homicidal maniac. Yeah, I think uh, Jack's Jack Nicholson's version of the Joker in Tim Burton's Batman is a nice maybe middle ground between the two. Uh, I mean, he's definitely scary at times and homicidal and can be violent. But at also times he's comical. Uh, he's funny. Mm-hmm. And he comes can come across as less intimidating as he really is. So like a nice mixture of the very early comics version or what you know you could even say like these the current versions of the joker like the ones from you know heath ledger's version and there's been others more recently so like maybe like a nice mixture like a little bit of the the comical aspects and the fun aspects but also not forgetting who he really is and what he's really capable of exactly so that's kind of why i always appreciated jack's portrayal of the joker um, because you can go real dark or you can go super light and jokey uh and you know whatever there's still the joker there's i don't think there's no wrong answer um just about preference what do you like what's your preference oh yeah and like i said again there's you know there's 80 years worth of comics you know we now have what 30 plus years of movies you know, um, yeah. the majority of them are really great movies. And let's see, what do we have? We've had one, two. Uh, there's been a, a Joker film. Yeah, yeah, you got the Walking Phoenix one. Yeah, yeah that one too. Forgot about Which that. Which is one. a dark film. <laughs> it's a very dark yeah, film. exactly. There's nothing funny about that movie at all. Oh, no, no, not at all. You know, failed comedian with mental health issues, you know. Yeah. And but like I said, there's a there's a rich history, um, like I said, as far as if you want to take a dive into the comics. But then there are also the movies. If you know, if you've seen them or if you want to take a second look after this episode. Yeah. You know, definitely check out the first Batman movie. Check out Dark Knight. If you want to check out the Joker, check out the Joker movie. Yeah, there's a lot of different portrayals that you can refer back to and kind of pick your personal favorites and you know consider that 
your definitive version then. then yeah, Because exactly. there really is no definitive version. Every version's potentially a definitive version, depending on which ones kind of uh, transcend uh, the medium that they're in and kind of capture the, the imagination of the fans. Um, that That's the way it works. Uh, okay, so moving on, then after the chorus, you've got some, you know, some more party type lyrics. Party people say it now. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> then you get uh, Prince's, you know, high pitched scream. Somebody holla if you want a party. And then you get uh, somebody in the background saying, ladies and gentlemen, no pictures, please. <laughs> yeah, then, I think. <laughs> What, I think that's that per, personal to? commentary. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. And Prince saying, like, seriously, back up. <laughs> back yeah, up that's, paparazzi. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's had some some infamous an infamous moment with the <laughs> <laughs> right, right. We and, all know. I think the... that's still yeah, what was that? Uh four years later, that's still touching her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just in case listeners aren't aware of what we're talking about, it's the uh post we are the world. Uh, dust up that he had with or his bodyguard had with uh, the paparazzi at that time so that made the tabloids get it up oh yeah party man party man he says get it up again get it up again then you've got a sample of kim basinger saying "Ooh, i love purple (laughs) or she doesn't exactly say "Ooh, i love purple or something like that i'm trying to use her inflection but yeah she's very sounds very sensual there yeah that's um if i mean i'm sure everybody's seen the film you know many times over over the last 30 years but in case you haven't i don't know it's not really a spoiler but you actually hear that line closer to the i guess the climax of the film Um, okay, so then we get after that little sample of Kim Basinger, we get the what I guess Genius is calling the second verse. I'll so I'll do the same. I rock the party, I rock the house, I rock the whole world, north, east, and south. In the west, seventeen horns blowing, and you get a little blurb of Actually, horns. Yes, yeah, is that a? I think it's a sample. I don't think, yeah, I think it's a sample too. I don't think it's live horns. I don't see any yeah, live horns on the credits. Yeah, because I think, uh, let's see, I have to get the CD out again. But I think, yeah, I think a lot of them, if they're not, you know, presets on whatever keyboard he's using on those, then I think a lot of the horn stuff is stuff that he's sampled Eric Leeds for. Oh, maybe, yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, because I think he's also used samples, uh, maybe not on this song, but um, 
or maybe he did and kind of blended the two. Uh, but yeah, Claire Fisher isn't credited so much as, you know, the official string arranger on this. I want to say that he was credited for, again, just like Eric Lee's where Prince sampled a lot of uh, Claire Fisher's orchestral parts from, you know, I guess other stuff he's done on Prince songs to blend into some of the songs on the Batman soundtrack. Mm -hmm. So I don't really have much to say about this quote unquote second verse. I mean, the 17 horns blowing Prince has referenced 17 before 17 days, seven, 17 includes the number seven, which we know has significance to Prince as from a personal and spiritual angles. Uh, yeah. I mean, any, any thoughts on, these lines, Richard? Uh, let's see. Well, I was going to say, I know the, the get it up part or the get mm -hmm. it up lyric. Uh, I don't know. Did we talk about how, I guess, um, the origin of this song? I want to say this was something he did or he had the basics of the song like as far back as 82. Oh. But then, wow. but then, uh, you know, as Prince said in the Rolling Stone interview, that when he met Jack Nicholson, like when Jack Nicholson sat down at the table and the way that he put his uh, feet up on the table, that it reminded him of Morris Day. So I don't know if Party Man was written on the spot after that meeting, or it just reminded him of Morris Day to the point of, oh, you know what, I got this track, Party Man, you know, in the vault, and let me just go finish it. Yeah, and so of course, Get It Up is the name of a time song, too. So, yeah, there's connections there. So that, yeah, there's that yeah, connection with that one. Um, yeah, the 17 horns. I don't know. I'm not really that up on numerology. Let me see. If we I'm not either, but I've had I've been kind of forced to by doing this show. <laughs> because there's so many references, like Prince is, I think, into it. So with all the references to seven and then occasionally 17 i've had to do a little deeper dive into some of it but i this isn't i don't feel like this is a spiritual album really uh he has a line here or there that you could point to as being you know having a spiritual bent to it but i just personally i don't i think he kind of set that aside you know love sexy still fairly fresh it feels like he did what he needed to do there in Love, Sex, and he's about to do it again, go a very spiritual angle on Graffiti Bridge. But this just I just don't feel like this was the project where pushing that um, narrative or pushing those ideas and thoughts into the music was really going to serve the project. So I think he was wise to kind of keep a lot of that out. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, and also I think in, I think it was the same... Rolling Stone interview, the one from 1990, um, the the second Neil Carlin interview. Uh, he mentioned that, you know, getting to watch how a big budget movie is, you know, all the mechanics it takes to put together something that large with so many millions of dollars at stake, you know, which, you know, movies aren't easy to make, even if you have Obviously, you see with Graffiti Bridge, which was a $7 million budget, it's not an easy 
movie to make, let alone make it a good film or even, you know, you're lucky if it can be a great film. Mm -hmm. But for him to watch the pressure when you have that many millions at stake, you know, I remember reading where Prince was just saying, look, you know, whatever it is you need, Mr. Burton, here it is. You know, you want you want me to take this song out? OK, I'll take this song out. Um, you know, here, I'll go write another 10 songs if you need it or I won't write any if you don't want me to write anymore. I think it was just a thing of. You know, watching that where it was something that Prince himself wasn't in control of, like you said, it was work for hire or he was the hired gun for this soundtrack to where he put his, you know, whatever, his ego aside or his need to control the situation. It was like, whoa, this is something that's beyond me. It's like, yeah, dealing with budgets for albums, heck, dealing with the $7 million budget for Purple Rain. Uh, I don't know how much Under the Cherry Moon costs, but again, that's pressure enough. But mm -hmm. to see something when you're talking about, I think that movie was made, uh, Batman was made for like $150 million, which was astronomical for that time. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, your average big budget, yeah, your average big budget blockbuster was like $25 million. Yeah, this needed to succeed. This needed to make money, and it needed to make a lot of money in order to get into the green. And I think Prince really understood the assignment. You know, I said that before, and oh, I'll, yeah. I'll re reiterate that. He understood the assignment. Pushing his message, uh, his spiritual message, wasn't part of the assignment. That wasn't being asked of him. So right. he put it aside. He's like, I'm going to do my own thing. I mean, I'm sure it, in 89, he, early 89, he was already thinking about the next thing, as he always tends to be on to the next thing before he even finishes the first thing or the current thing. So Graffiti Bridge was going to be that next thing. It's like, I got, I've got, i got my next project that's going to, that I'll be in complete control of, uh, whether you know you feel like complete control to a detriment or not, that's personal thought, but uh, he would be able to, talk about and deliver whatever messages he wanted and that was not part of what batman needed mm -hmm. so anyway um yeah good discussion good discussion uh, after those lines about the 17 horns blowing you get more repeat of party man party man and I i'll skip something quick and we'll go back to it he says get it up again all hail the new king in town you got the do 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 you know the little piano piece nothing but a muffin we got a lot of butter to go so he's just kind of riffing here a little bit yes. and if it break when it bend you better not put it in uh, so that's right. kind, of, <laughs> kind of more yeah. a little it could be interpreted prince, as risque i suppose <laughs> prince innuendo <laughs> yeah it can be interpreted as risque for sure yeah classic um, prince innuendo yeah uh, otherwise this this album is pretty like pg 
in terms of its um, language and and lyrics. And, and even that, that's that's really minor. You have to really kind of understand uh, the way biology works <laughs> or <Yeah. laughs> what they're talking about. So that's going to go over most children's heads. Um, but the, I, I, I hear a, I don't know if I got this right, but I hear like what I hear is maybe a Jamaican patois here with lose me now, boy, right on boy, you know, and, and of course it's done in a, in, in what sounds to me like a Jamaican patois. I don't know. What do you think? was always curious like what was going on in that part as well but when you watch the video you know he's under the piano or i don't know he kind of i guess there's gymnastics on the piano i guess where you know if i was i would be curious if like if you just drop the the soundtrack out of the video and if you just hear him i guess him like on top of the piano, then spins around and makes his way under the piano while playing that piano part with whatever, two, three, four fingers. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, that that's genius. We've seen him play a guitar with one hand and play keyboard simultaneously with the other. And I don't know anybody that can do that, really. But that whole sequence in the video even though it doesn't make it clear as to what's going on with all the spoken word stuff underneath. But I think it's just one, I always just looked at it as it's another one of those really obscure, maybe Prince in jokes, um, you know, kind of reminiscent of the extended version of the Kiss video where it's like, mm. you know, him yeah. and him and Jill Jones and they're kind of, you know, playing this sort of, I don't know, this almost like honeymooners type couple or, you know, stereotypical New York couple, you know, where they're going, Prince is on the TV again. Oh, he's strange. Turn it off. You know, I think it's kind of <laughs> right. that type of in-joke thing. But I think now he's, the way the video plays it, she was almost the the girl in the video was almost like um oh, now I want to say like high society, but you know somebody that in their minds were just a little too cool for school almost yeah. and again, like I said, it's one of those in jokes to where I don't know, I guess we had to have been in Paisley Park at the time to 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 fully get the joke. Yeah, it's a little confusing. It's confusing. Yeah. I th I think that there's a, probably a lot of thoughts people have had over the years because nothing's ever been explained. It's and it's never and it's still not explained. I'm not explaining anything to anybody here. I'm just kind of yeah. like, okay, I always heard like some Jamaican accent potentially and I didn't, you know, maybe there was just somebody at the party that was speaking uh in that manner and so it was like trying to imply like cuz it's supposed to be a party. Party man's yeah. doing a party. Mm -hmm. And just more voices of, of party party guests. Uh, what they're talking about here maybe is less clear. Um, you know, he says "giddy up," and then she says in the background, "ride him, boy." And okay, yeah, again, that's more like euphemisms. Right after it says for break, when it bend, you better not put it in. So you're you're getting the playful, the sexual, and playful aspects of Prince and the Joker as uh, the party man in the song towards the end of it here, I think, and a little bit of this. And and maybe it could be a bit back and forth, like 
party man is trying to hit on a woman or something and she's you know resisting um or or she's also kind of into it not sure again not sure so open again to any interpretations any and all let's skip forward to the new tour where he does party man live and that part is looped in the live performance oh okay yeah, so it's that. Uh, let's see, I can't remember like the exact rhythm, but it's the writing boy, writing boy, like so. Yeah, okay. you're right. It, it's yeah, so it's definitely another classic Prince innuendo. Yep, yep, that's cool. I gotta go find that and uh, listen to that. I've I've watched many of the songs that he performed on the new tour from the Batman soundtrack but i didn't remember that specifically so i'm gonna have to like pay closer attention to that now now that you've referred to it oh, yeah, you cracked the case <laughs> <laughs> we'll see <laughs> we'll I was see like, wait a minute why does that, yeah, why does that sound familiar <laughs> yeah for sure uh so he says the party man uh repeats that a few more times before we get to the outro young and old gather around everyone hail the new king in town or everybody hail the new king in town that's what he says Young and old, gather around. Everybody hail the new king in town. And then you get those sampled, potentially sampled uh, horns blowing at the end before it just kind of abruptly ends. And, um, yeah, that's Party Man. That's the song. You know, the album version, at least. Yeah. You want to jam out to the kind of the music and the vibe more, you just pop on the video mix or the Purple Party mix, and you've got, you know, another three four minutes of music there yeah to enjoy um but yeah that's basically the song i mean it feels to me like it's just prince is equating the joker's philosophy of anarchy and violence and lawlessness to a party like i don't always think like this song is referencing an actual party like it can be but you can also interpret it i think because it's being sung by the joker as you know life's a party and i'm gonna flip this party on its on its head um you know basically treating life as a party in a way that most people would consider uh maybe uh unexpected or uh immoral um you know trying to inject fun into what would typically be maybe like a frightening experience (laughs) uh encountering the joker in real life like this if we lived in gotham city in the in the world of batman running into the joker should be a scary experience but when he's calling it a party maybe you kind of loosen um or lessen your your fear and and your inhibitions a bit but yeah it's just a big chaotic party and and the joker's the the host it's kind of like what i get from this song overall um do you have any final thoughts about the song yourself richard uh, I still enjoy it. Um, like I said, I think ever since the video, ever since buying the 12 inch version, uh, again, like I said, watching, you know, I could just watch that. It's like about not even a minute long, I don't think, but I can watch Prince do that bass overdub and it never gets old to me. I think, you know, it's inspiring and it really, you know, a testament to his genius how something is i guess is more poppy for a dance song 
that these little subtle nuances, you know, just make it funkier, you know, where it's like, oh, this is just as funky as Housequake. You know, but you just have to listen to it deeper to to pick up on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, totally. Yeah, I still enjoy the I still enjoy the video version um, on the official Prince YouTube channel. Uh, you get both versions. There's a short version and the longer version. Um, I love the longer version. Yeah, me too. I prefer if I'm gonna choose to watch either video i'm gonna gonna watch the longer version or you know if you have the 12 inch you can yeah flip it out flip it over and listen to the long version there too yeah now if you buy the um the batman i guess is it i guess you buy the blu-ray now too yeah if you buy the blu-ray or i guess the anniversary dvd edition 20th anniversary dvd uh you get videos of bat dance the short version of Party Man and uh, Scandalous. Okay, that's cool. So I didn't know that. All, yeah, it was on the Blu-ray and uh, the documentaries on that, especially one where they talk about the the soundtrack. There are little quick snippets of uh, film clips where you actually see Prince on the set. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, man. Because uh from what we understand, it was a fairly collaborative. It wasn't like Prince just went back to the lab and did all of his work and and hoped that it fit with the movie. It was like they were having discussions and Prince was <laughs> given you know, was able to see dailies and, and footage and talk to some of the actors and talk to the director and so that that was I think also very helpful to in creating something that was cohesive and matched the tone of the film and worked well with it, which made it successful ultimately. Uh, okay. So great. I'm, I'm glad you're on the show today, Richard, you uh, opened my eyes to a lot. Of, I, I haven't been as much into comic books in my life. So I'm glad that you had that knowledge and, and background to share with the listeners on it. Um, but you also have your own show, so why don't you, sh- you know, if you don't mind sharing with everybody where they can find your show and what it's all about? Okay, well, uh, my show is Amari Purple Talk. It is also a podcast about Prince. Uh, you can find it through the Libsyn network. Uh, so, in other words, your favorite podcast platform, you should be able to find it there. If not, I also have uh, episodes up on YouTube as well. So just look for the Amari Communications channel on YouTube. Excellent. Anything else you want to promote or talk about? Uh, not yet. I'm working on a couple of things. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, I know you're doing some music stuff, but I mean, yeah. I'm not ready to talk about it yet. We'll say. I've got, well, I've got the two singles out, uh, We Funk to the Last Band, and then uh, Save Yourself. Uh, Save Yourself was done on four-track cassettes really weird and avant-garde but i like it and it's funky so be able to just be sure to check those out uh so richardcole.bandcap bandcamp.com and the respective album and ep relating to those two singles are coming soon 
people. Everybody should uh, check it out and follow him on Bandcamp and follow the show on whatever platform that you're listening to podcasts on and uh, give give Richard your support and love. So I, I appreciate him being on the show. Thank you again, Richard. Uh, thank you, Jason, for having me on. And I'm always willing to come back. You're always welcome. This has been the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast. I've been your host, Jason Brenninger. You can find the show, uh, basically any podcast platform that you listen to podcasts on as well, just like Richard's, also on YouTube. So check it out there. I have a channel. Um, Discord as well. So if you like talking about Prince, you want to check out with some uh, like-minded Prince fans, um, you know, join, join the Press Rewind Discord, and we try to have fun there when we can. So thanks to the listeners, and until next time, goodbye. Peace. Young and old, gather around, everybody hit a little king in town.